Amen. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. And while you're turning there, I'll just share a couple things of testimony. We want to thank you folks for praying for us. It means so much as we travel down to Texas for my father-in-law's funeral and Ida's dad. And uh, appreciate your prayers for the service itself uh, a week ago Tuesday. And uh, I did the preaching and my wife did the eulogy. So we carried the entire service. There was not much else as far as music or anything like that. Very different culture, very different type of service. But we were thankful to be able to speak and share the gospel with family members. And I uh, appreciate your continued prayers uh, for the family and their grieving process. But I want to share a couple of things of what God did for us. And just, you know, God is so good, always takes care of us. And I, I don't know if you've traveled much recently. I know everything's been shut down for so long. And we're just starting to get back on the road and different things. And uh, it's, it's amazing, uh, even since the last time we went on a, a road trip of that extent, how much things have changed. Gas, gas prices, obviously. Um, we've learned this, that as we went, if we had to go to Walmart for something, there were things in Walmart that are more expensive than they are in Canada now. Their, their inflation has, has almost outpaced ours. And when you add the 32, 33% exchange on top of that, so things were very expensive. And, I, and I, I don't say that to complain. I say that just to illustrate how the Lord had taken care of us. And um, so we, we went down there and, uh, and we stayed the first night at uh, Ida's, the house she grew up in. And of course, now it's empty. And uh, after the first night, I, a little different culture in the South, and, and maybe, maybe it's the South or maybe it's the Spanish culture, I'm not sure. But when somebody dies, a lot of things happen at the house still. Uh, here we would have it at a church or a funeral home or such. And so uh, they go there to grieve. They'll just show up and they want to sit in the house a little bit and grieve. And, and uh, also um, the lunch was going to be back at the house. And we just felt like we were going to be in the way. And so we decided we would go and get a motel room. And, and not only that, we had jumped in the car last minute on a Thursday night. Uh, we were planning doing something else. And the Lord changed that. And we drove, you know, two and a half days to get to Texas, 27 hours, and, uh, and just, and, and my wife hadn't slept much, and, and so we said, let's get a motel so you can rest. And so we, God gave us a beautiful motel uh, through uh, an online source, and, and it was Expedia, and I had booked enough rooms there, I had a 20% off coupon and, and all these things, and brand new Wyndham Suites Hotel for a Canadian price, which was really strange down the States, but they gave us a Canadian, way cheaper than we get everything else. It was a beautiful motel, and God blessed and saved us a lot of money. But then my wife's uh, cousin felt so bad about it, he wanted to be a blessing, and he gave my wife $500 U.S. to help cover that motel. It was more than double than what we needed for the three nights. I'm just saying that the Lord takes care of us, and it was such a blessing and then we had, I had known that the tires on my car, we, we normally drive the SUV, my daughter drives the car, and, and uh, I knew the tires were getting low, and, and I was going to have to deal with that in the next couple of weeks. We never expected we'd have to drive, you know, 4,500 miles. And so we jumped in the car, and we went to Texas, and on the way back, I don't know if you know, but in Oklahoma, you can drive 80 miles an hour, that's the speed limit. So people are doing 90 miles an hour. It's incredible. It's just like the Grand Prix out there. And, but when you're, and when it's 104 degrees out and your tires are low and they get hot, we broke two belts, the front two tires, the belt. And so we're, boom, 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 boom. And we get into, as, as we're coming into the last place where, and I said, hon, I can't drive home like that. 
We, we need to do something. And so it's a holiday weekend. It's July 4th in the States. And so how do you get tires on a holiday weekend? And so we, uh, I called around and I found a place that would take us. And we were supposed to meet with some friends uh, and go to church with them on Sunday morning and then and spend some time in the afternoon. But the only time we'd get an appointment was 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, which meant we couldn't go out of town for church. We'd have to go to church right there. And uh, we wouldn't be able to have lunch with them or anything. And so I, I, I texted him. I said, I'm sorry. I said, but we have to get this done. I said, we don't have any choice. It's the only place that took us. And so he called back and he says, listen, he says, I, I'll meet you at Costco. He says, they have a sale right now. And he says, $150 off if you get four tires. I have a membership there. And they said, I called them, they will take you right now and have you out in a half hour. And I said, praise the Lord. And they did. I mean, we got the car in and 30 minutes later, it was out and on the road ready to go. And I got there and I didn't know a Canadian Costco membership would work in the States. You just assume it won't. But they took my Costco membership. So I already had the car pulling in by the time he got there. And I'd already paid and everything. It was $641.90 U.S. money. He gave me a hug and he shook my wife's hand and he slipped into her hand $650 U.S. Almost to the penny to pay for those tires. Tell me the Lord doesn't take care of his children. We went over to... The reason we had gone, we'd left Texas, we went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania for a few days. My wife... Uh, from what I shared Wednesday night, if you were here, it was it was kind of a traumatic thing and, and everything going on, plus grieving her dad. And I just felt like she needed a few days to decompress and rest. And her favorite place in the world is Amish country. We like going there and, and uh, the food. I won't complain if she says, let's go to Amish country because the food is amazing. And uh, But we wanted to go to Sight and Sound Theater and see David. And so I thought, okay, we'll splurge on that. And I, I went in and everything was sold out. Five shows, two on Friday, three on Saturday, and it was all sold out. They don't work on Sundays, praise the Lord. And so I, I'd seen that online, but I thought, I'm just going to go ask. Maybe there was a cancellation. They get a lot of bus trips come in, you know, 60 people on a bus. Somebody maybe got sick or whatever. So I went in, I said to the lady, I said, I, I just don't want you to think I'm presumptuous. I'm just telling you that we did look online, but we came here last minute because my wife's father died, and we're just here for a little rest. I was just hoping that you'd have a couple tickets somewhere. I don't know how many they seat in that auditorium, 3,500, 4,000, something like that. And she says, of the five shows this weekend, we have three shows that have two tickets in each. And she says, which show would you like to come to? I said, you tell me whatever tickets are best. They're all the same price. And I said, I will, I'll just use your judgment. I'll just come to whatever. We're, we're open for the weekend. And she said, three o'clock today. And I said, okay. And I pulled out my wallet and she's printing off the tickets and she says, I want to be a blessing to your wife. $150 worth of tickets. Not only does God take care of us, he spoils us. Amen. Amen. And then we came home and I had gone to buy, I bought a little tire depth gauge. Because when I, when I broke those belts, I said to my wife, I want to check the back tires and see if they're safe or not. If they're not, we'll just have to do all four. And one, the two of them were below safety level and all the rest. And I knew they were getting low. And, and so we just we did all four. But when I got home, my wife said, I don't like the looks of the tires on the SUV. And I went, oh, great. So I took that depth tread out, gauge out there, and I, and our tread depth gauge, and I checked all four tires. And all four of them were below safety level in the red. And 
So I said, well, let's look for some tires. So I looked for some tires, and we came home, and you folks had taken an offering to help us. And it covered all but $50 of those new tires. Praise the Lord. God takes care of us. And, uh, you know, there was, there was lots of other expenses, but I can't imagine. I, I got thinking back. I said, you know, there's almost about $2,000 that if we had that on top of the other expenses, God is so good, isn't he? And uh, I just say that. And, and listen, I, you say, well, you know, you, you talk about offerings. You, you'll know if you come here any length of time. I don't talk about it very much. We're just trying to point at the boxes every once in a while where they are. But I know this, you can't outgive God. And if you're faithful, he's faithful, no doubt about it. Here, here's the thing. He's often faithful despite us. He takes care of us even when we're not faithful. And, uh, but I, I'd encourage you to be faithful. And one day you'll say, Wow. God did all this for me in such a short time. Look what he's done. And so I just, I just want to give praise to the Lord today for all that he's done to take care of us, and not just take care of us, but to spoil us and heap upon us blessings. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. Before, before we left, I, I started studying 2 Timothy and uh, reading through it over and over. I, I enjoy doing that, especially if it's a book that's short. By the way, 2 Timothy was an epistle or a letter, and I, I don't think Timothy got that letter from Paul and just read a few verses and set it aside. Now, there were no chapter or verse divisions back then. It was something that was added years later to help us find different things in the Bible. And so Paul received a letter from Timothy. He would have sat down and read the whole thing, just like you would read a letter that you get in the mail. And so I think it's good when we are able to read through an entire letter understand what is going on. In first, Second Timothy chapter 1, we, we read that Paul says to Timothy that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind and power. But I, I read that and I read, sometimes we, that, again, I said Wednesday night, we love to pull things out of, of a scripture and put them on a, a nice plaque and hang it on our wall. And that's one of those verses, isn't it? God hath not given us the spirit of fear. But as I read that chapter, I realize that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy because he is fearful. He's struggling. He says to him in that same chapter, stir up the gift of God which layeth in you uh, from the laying on of my hands. Listen, you don't have to stir things up that are already stirred up. Something had happened in the life of Timothy. Something had discouraged him. And he had the spirit of fear and he, and he needed to be stirred up. You don't, you don't stoke a fire that's already raging. And so he says, Timothy, we need to stir up the gift of God. He says, I am mindful of your tears. Timothy was struggling. And he said this, be not ashamed of me, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we get a glimpse of why Timothy was scared. Paul was in prison doing the exact same thing that Timothy was doing. Timothy had traveled across the, the places that Paul had established churches to ordain elders. We read in 1 Timothy that, that uh, the qualifications of a bishop and the qualifications of a deacon, and he was to ordain men and appoint them to the ministry. So he was following after Paul and helping grow these churches and strengthen these churches. But now Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, and Timothy had shriveled up. Paul says, we need to stir up that gift again. God has not given you that spirit of fear. Paul, Timothy, keep going. Am I supposed to dismiss the kids? I'm sorry. Kids, you go. I'm going to keep preaching. Go ahead. Sorry about that, guys. 
I got about eight people waving at me and I can't figure out what's going on. I thought I had something on my face or... Paul's trying to encourage Timothy. We come to chapter 2, and we see in chapter 2 that Paul continues with his exhortation of Timothy. But he also warns him that it's not going to be easy. He says, you're going to need grace. He says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says he's going to have to shun the world. That no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He's telling him that he must strengthen his life. He's telling him he must stay in the word. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the title of our message today. Truth. Truth. Pilate said, when standing before Jesus, what is truth? I think we have a lost and dying world today that says, what is truth? Truth has become relative. I'll talk more about it later, but so often we have people saying, I want to speak my truth. I don't care to hear your truth. I want to know the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul goes on to warn Timothy a little bit more. And he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. How many of you think we might be there? Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our key verse today. That's what we're going to examine and take apart a little bit if the Lord would allow us today and help us with his Holy Spirit. Read it again, verse 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. Hey, every liar from the pit of hell has their day, but their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Heavenly Father, help us today. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts. We have a lot of material to cover. I pray, Lord, that it would be understandable and concise and help us. Uh, Lord, we understand that our mind can only absorb what our seat can endure. And I don't mean to be crude, but it's just a true axiom, uh, Lord, that, that we don't want to become restless. We want to focus upon the Word of God. Help us, we pray, Lord, to have the dedication we might have sitting at a three-hour ball game. Help us to have the same focus we might have at a a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Lord, help us to realize that 
In all total, we might only have two hours a week under the preaching of God's word. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to focus and be attentive. Lord, we need your spirit. Grip our hearts and help us today. Fill me, I pray. I surrender to you. Lord, may you do a great work in our midst. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look back at verse 7 with me, if you will, today. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. My first point today is just simply this. We need to identify what is the truth. What is the truth? I don't believe the truth is referring here to some scientific fact. There are scientific facts. I'm not against science, but the Bible talks so that we should shun science falsely so-called. I'm not against good science. I understand that when I take water and I put it in the freezer, it's going to turn to ice. That's that's just good science, and I'm okay with that fact. But it's not talking about those truths. I believe when the Bible is talking about the truth, it's talking about something very specific. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So let's first identify the truth. Notice one, uh, we see the source of truth. In John chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible says this, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 14 said, I am the way, the life, and the what? The truth. There's a lost and dying world out there that are just packing their heads full of knowledge and they don't know Jesus Christ, the truth. They don't know him who can change their lives. Uh, We send probes. It's amazing. We watch the news a little bit and they're sending these probes to Mars and to the deepest parts of our solar system. And I just heard the other day, they're starting to get some noise back from that and they're starting to hear some things and they're wondering if there's intelligent life out there somewhere. There's not even intelligent life here. I'm not sure what they are looking for. But I heard the other day that that probe has cost $40 billion thus far. And it's an ongoing process. You have to man those rooms full at Nassau. You have to keep all the computers manned. and You have to be listening and watching where it's going and controlling and the fuel and all these things. $40 billion thus far just to fill our heads with knowledge. A man could never go to those far reaches. It has no real life benefit to us. By the way, when God gave Adam and Eve the garden, he said, you have dominion over the earth. I often wonder when I see of a tragedy that happens in the space program, if it's not God saying, no, no, I gave you dominion over the earth. Stay in your lane. I hung the stars, the moon, the sun. I am the God of the universe, not you. The source of all truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever learning. Oh, they know a lot about the Bible. They know a lot about who they think God is. And they know they can talk about heaven and they don't believe in hell. But they don't know Jesus. They've not come to the knowledge of the truth. The source of truth we see is the Lord Jesus Christ, but Jesus himself prayed in John chapter 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus Christ is the incarnate word of God. 
The Bible you hold in your hands is the written word of God. Given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, given to us, breathed out by God himself. It'll say later in this same chapter that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect unto all good works, thoroughly furnished. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 says, but the, the, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God breathed out his word, and it is truth. I remember years ago meeting with a, a lady, a, a gentleman in our church that said, there's a lady in my apartment building. He says, she's, she's searching and would you go with me to, to see her sometime so I can share the gospel? He wouldn't go alone. I get that. And I said, sure. So we went, and all she did was question the Bible. She says, well, I, I basically throw out most of the New Testament because Paul was just a chauvinist, this and that and the other. And both of us, I could literally, it just, we kind of went, we thought lightning was coming. And you need to have a respect for God's word. It is the holy words of the living God. A love letter to man. People today say, why is there so much hurt and anguish in the world? Why is this person uh, struggling with disease? And why is this person uh, disabled? And why is this person going through such uh, tragic circumstances? Friends, that's not God, that's sin. And I'm not saying that individual has necessarily sinned. We, we learn of the, uh, the boy that the disciples tried to help, and they said, who has sinned, this man or his father? He says, neither. This is so you can see the glory of God. This is where God wants to work. This is where God wants to receive glory. And I'm not saying an individual has necessarily sinned, but because of our parents, Adam and Eve, sin has got into the world, and it has caused all these things to happen. Makes you sure glad we're going to have a redeemed body one day. Makes you thankful for heaven. Hey, if everything were perfect on this earth, you'd never want to go. But God has prepared a perfect place with a perfect body. So the source of truth is Christ. And the source of truth is his word. We see, secondly, the spirit of truth. When I think of this passage, I see, first, we have to identify what is the source of truth. What is this truth that he is talking about? But we also also need to know the spirit of truth. Turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter 5, just forward a few pages in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 5. Notice what it says in verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong passage. Why didn't somebody tell me? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm doing good. Leave me alone. Number five, verse five. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Now listen, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And these are the three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So we see the source of truth is Christ and the Word of God, but the Spirit of truth 
is the Holy Spirit of God. And what does he do? Number one, he revealed truth. It was he that God breathed out upon the human authors and superintended this word that we have in our hands today. It was he, listen, I'm so thankful that when I mess up and I sin against the holy God and the devil comes right alongside very quickly, by the way, and he says, how can you possibly be saved? The spirit bears witness with my heart that I'm still his child. And though I'm going through chastening at the moment, it's because I'm a son. I'm his child. The Spirit of God bears witness with my soul. The Spirit of truth reveals truth. Jude reminds us that we are to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered. I don't believe there's any new revelation today. Sometimes I, 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 I've been in church. We've had folks come in and visitors and they'll say, well, I have a word from the Lord. And they'll say something so off the cuff and I, man, wow, careful. Can you show me how that lines up with the word of God? Can you tell me how God says that that's going to happen or God said that's okay? No, they can't. Let me say this. Not only does the Holy Spirit reveal truth, past tense, but he also reinforces truth. That's his ministry. You remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said? The Lord Jesus Christ said, but when the comforters come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, listen to this, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. The disciples were wondering what's going to happen when Jesus leaves and what kind of anguish and pain are we going to feel? And he says, don't worry about that. The spirit of God will come alongside you and his name is Comforter and he will testify of me. In other parts, he says, he will bring to remembrance all things that I have taught unto you. The Bible says this in John 16, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Let me say this, as you read the word of God, and, and by the way, I, I'm reading through the Bible, this 2 Timothy, and I get to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it says that in every house, there are vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor, some of gold and silver, some of wood and clay. If a man will purge himself of these, he'll be a vessel unto honor. I had to stop right there and pray, oh God. Oh, God. You see, what happens? You read the word of God and the Holy Spirit starts pricking your heart. But let me say this. If you read the Bible and say, well, I don't really know if I can believe that, that's not the spirit of truth. Amen. That's not the spirit of God that's poking your heart. That's from the pits of hell. His word is truth. Amen. And the spirit will always reinforce that in your life. You need to believe it. I've shared this with you before that we had a lady come to church in Hamilton and she asked me for a Bible. And I said, sure, I'll go get your Bible. And I went over to the cupboard and I brought it back. And she goes, is, is this the same as my Bible? And I said, I'm, I'm assuming it is. And she says, well, my Bible really scared me. She says, matter of fact, I had to cut a whole bunch of stuff out of my Bible because everything I read scared me to death. I said, ma'am, I don't know what kind of Bible you have, but I'm guaranteed this one will scare you too. She says, it scared me so bad that I died. And I thought she was just being figurative, you know. Down in the south, they'll say, well, I could have just died, you know, that kind of thing. I thought she was just being figurative in her speech. 
And she says, I literally dropped dead on my living room floor. But she says, five minutes later, God revived me. He told me I'd be okay, so I don't have to worry about what it says in the book because he's saved me and put me on the path to heaven. That was not the Spirit of God that said that to her. That does not line up with the Word. The Spirit of truth will always reinforce the truth. Because why? Because 1 John chapter 5 says that the Father, the Word, and the Spirit are one. They are one. He is the Spirit of truth. But I want you to notice thirdly, as we're trying to identify what is this truth, I want you to notice thirdly, we've seen the source of truth, Christ and his word. The spirit of truth is the spirit of God that gives us and superintends putting down the words, the very words of God in the word of God. And he, he, he supports the truth. He, he uh, undergirds it. But I want you to notice thirdly the stanchion of truth. The word stanchion is, I just tried to get alliteration, okay? It's a pillar. A stanchion is a pillar, Matter of fact, remember when we were in the middle of COVID and we had to put those things out in the hallway? With the, those are called stanchions. They're pillars. You see a big castle or a, uh, the White House has those big white, those are stanchions. It is something that undergirds or holds up. Do you know what the Bible says is the stanchion of truth? But if I tarry long, Paul is writing in 1 Timothy chapter 3, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is to uphold the truth. That is our job. There's a lot of churches today don't preach the truth. I don't mean to say that, that we're perfect. Please don't. I, I, uh, I, I get a kick out of preachers, I'll visit a church and I'll say, well, you don't hear preaching like this anymore. And I'm thinking, how do you know that? Don't you preach in your own church every week? Where are you going to hear other preaching? Somebody just told us this week that they were moving on from their church. I said, why? They said, because I'm tired of hearing three steps to happiness, three steps to joy. And he says, that's okay. Once in a while, we need that. Once in a while, we need to be encouraged. Once in a while, we need to, to hear how to be happy in the Christian life. He says, but every service is just sugar. He says, I need my toes stepped on once in a while. I need to leave church knowing that God has dealt with me once in a while. It's all corn syrup and sugar and a steady diet of that will destroy your life. We need to preach Christ crucified. Buried, risen again. And why? Because I'm a sinner. And I sent him to the cross. The church must be the pillar in the ground of truth. We are a stanchion of truth. So I hope and pray that we've identified what the truth is. I don't want to ever come to church and somebody gets up and preaches something different. I, I, I went to a church service one time and they... They shared a, the whole time. They just preached about Hudson Taylor. Didn't open the Bible. They opened the Bible right at the start and said, except a corn of wheat, fall on the ground and die. It won't bring forth fruit. And then they just talked about his life. And I thought, no, no, we're to preach Christ. Hudson Taylor must have been up in heaven angry. Don't talk about me. Talk about my Savior. I died for no one. Would to God that we'd know what the truth is. But then when I read this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to notice 
that it glares to me, we see the ignorance of truth. Number two, the ignorance of truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that a sad commentary on society? He's talking about the end times. He says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And he talks about all the conditions of men for verse three, 2, 3, and 4, and, and 5, that they'll have a form of godliness and they'll deny the power thereof. But perhaps the scariest thing is that they'll have a thirst for knowledge, but they don't want Jesus. You see, because if we could re-engineer verse 7, if God had written in verse 7 that they are, have a thirst for knowledge, they're ever learning, and eventually they come to the truth, then all those other verses get wiped out. They'd be under the blood. That might have been who they used to be. That was their past life, their past condition. But now, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're saved. And all that has changed. But he says, no, these are people that thirst for knowledge and they're deniers of God. They can't come to the knowledge of the truth. And so I have some questions. I think, first of all, they have a problem with their approach. Number one, they're seeking knowledge rather than seeking Christ. They're seeking knowledge rather than seeking Christ. On Sunday nights, I, I, because of the upheaval, I've only had one night where we did the continue program, discipleship program. First week was just the Bible. Tonight we'll do the second one, Jesus Christ. And this Wednesday night I have my last Acts Bible study. We'll finish the book, Lord willing. And then I'm going to move the continue series to Wednesday nights. I wanted to do a couple Sunday nights, just hopefully folks would go, hey, I, I like the deep dive. I like what we're learning, and I, I'll come on Wednesday night, and I'll learn more about that. But I think sometimes we, we, we get into a Bible study like that, and we go, oh, man, it's so much, and it's just so hard. and it's." But then there's, the opposite is true as well. There are some that will say, oh, I, that's what I've been looking for. I love the deep dive into God's word, but here, here's the problem. They're looking at the Bible like a textbook, not a book of life. It's important that we learn doctrine. It's important that we know what is real so we can identify the counterfeits. But if you come to that study tonight or you start coming on Wednesday nights, let me encourage you in this. The Bible is not a textbook. It is a love letter. It is God's heart poured out to man. It is meant to be transformational. It is quick and powerful. And if you're coming just to say, I want more knowledge about God, you've missed the mark. But if you're coming because I want to know Jesus better, I want to grow closer to God through his son, Jesus Christ, maybe some of that doctrine will help me understand what Jesus did for me. That is the right approach. But these that Paul writes to Timothy about, says there's those that are out there that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth because they're seeking knowledge rather than seeking Christ. There's a thirst for knowledge that causes men, to, like I said earlier, to go to the ends of the solar system. But they don't want to know God. They love the creation, but they don't want to know the creator. Doesn't Romans 1 say something about that? 
Their thirst for knowledge is never quenched. and They're never satisfied. Charles Spurgeon said this, visit many good books but live in the Bible. Get into the truth. Here's what I like. If I, if I can look at the converse of this for a moment. It was noted by the Jewish leaders of their day that Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant men, but they could tell they'd been with Jesus. Now, let me say this. I'm not disagreeing with the Bible. The Bible is recording what those men said. But I don't believe for a minute they were unlearned and ignorant. And here's why. Because like Mary, they had sat at the feet of Jesus. Best education you'll ever get is at the feet of Jesus. Oh, they had the power of God upon them because they knew him. Not because they read a lot of books. Listen, I'm not against education. Somebody's going to take a clip of this sermon and say, well, here's another Baptist church against education. I'm not, I went to Bible college. I'm, I'm just saying the Bible says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. That were, should be where our focus is. That ought to be our main. Uh, Daniel, I'm so glad that if you ever have to defend a case for this church that you've had some education. I, I, don't, I, I don't want some guy says, well, I... I've read a couple books, and, I, and I, I'm pretty good at that. How many, how many of you want a doctor and never went to school? Come on. I'm not against education. But I'm saying that if you want to walk with God, the best education you'll ever get is spending time with Christ. Their approach was wrong. They were unlearned by the world's standard, but they had learned at the feet of Jesus. When we're talking about the ignorance of this truth, I see a problem with their approach, but I see also a problem with their acceptance. Look, you will, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even, listen to this, denying the Lord that bought them. He's purchased them. He paid the price for their sins and they deny him and they bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The Bible says in Jude chapter one and verse four, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained in this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and listen, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 3, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. And, and there's, there's the answer, folks. Why do they not deny Jesus Christ? And why do they scoff? And why do they mock Bible believers? Because of their own lusts. The word of God changes lives and they don't want to be changed. They don't want to give up the world. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Read on. Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, listen to this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. They're ignorant of the word of God. Why? Because they're willingly ignorant. Paul told Timothy, they will deny the Lord that bought them. There's an obstinance about the world today that they don't want the truth. They don't want the truth. They have a problem with their acceptance. 
they also have a problem with their attitude. Pride. Pride. I can't tell you how many people I know that have come this close to accepting Christ and refused because they don't want to give up things in the world. Their pride won't allow them. They're holding too tightly. It is true, the word of God changes lives. We read John 17, 17 earlier, sanctify. That means to set them apart, bring them out from the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If, if you ever get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you and you understand his word, it will change your life. But let me tell you, friends, this isn't a bad trade. He's, he, he's taking all the gunk and the mire of this world and he's imparting his Holy Spirit as, a, as an earnest under the day of redemption. He's promised you a home in heaven eternally. What a wonderful change. What a wonderful trade. John chapter 8 verse 32 says this, the truth shall make you free. There's a lost and dying world that's in bondage today and they don't even know it or care. I, I'm trying to think of the, this illustration just came to me and I can't think of the name. There's a name for it. But a woman that was taken hostage. And for so long she was hostage when they finally got her free, she wanted to go back to her captives. Some sort of syndrome they call it. I can't remember the name of the lady. It's named after her. Stockholm Syndrome. There you go. That's what the world is like today. They're so in bondage to their sin. You know what I don't understand? I don't understand a t-shirt that says Budweiser. You say, why? Because the alcohol companies have got you already drinking their, their poison. Listen. And then you're just dumb enough to go buy a shirt and advertise for them for free. Don't most companies have to pay for advertisement? But no, no, not the beer companies. Hey, I'll buy, I'll buy a t-shirt. I'll put it all over my Facebook page. And I'll advertise for you for free. As a matter of fact, I'll pay $25 for a shirt to do it for you. That's not Budweiser, it's Bud Stupider. <laughs> the wisdom of this world. Man. Go back and listen to Wednesday night. I'm a little angry about alcohol right now. I'm just going to say, you can say, well, we can split hairs over Scripture. I'm just going to tell you this, flat out, it destroys families. It destroys lives, and I've seen it. And don't tell me, I won't believe you if you tell me different. Well, the Word of God says we can take a little sip now and then. My Bible says the priest wasn't allowed to have it, and we are a royal priesthood. That's what I'm sticking with. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. I'm a child of the king. Ignorance of the truth. A problem with their attitude. Many refuse to accept the truth simply because of pride. What will I have to give up? Who won't talk to me anymore? What am I turning away from? Oh, you're turning away from hell. And embracing the one, the lover of your soul. I was thinking, Tony, when you were singing, I, I couldn't have picked a better song. We believe Though the earth be removed, the mountains cast into the sea, let this truth remain. We believe the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and His Word. I want you to give you this last thing, and I'll, I'll move quickly. 
the implications of the truth. When we are confronted with the truth of God's word, there's some implications. There's some fallout from all of this. Let's look at those very quickly. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Look what it says in the next verse. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres, does anybody know who those guys are? Boy, I had to look that up. Those are those two magicians that stood off against Moses. You ever read that and wondered? I had to look it up. And apparently it's written in some historical text, just not in the Bible. And so when Paul is writing to Timothy and talking about him, he had knowledge of this. This is in Jewish tradition. They were those two magicians. When Moses threw his staff down and turned to a serpent, they did the same as a magician's trick. But Moses' serpent ate their serpents. So now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. What is it saying there? It is saying the world has a counterfeit truth. That parlor trick that those two magicians did was of the devil, and there was some obvious power in it, but it was subservient to the power of God that Moses had in his staff. And God demonstrated it through his serpent eating theirs. Then that same staff parted the Red Sea and it called down plague after plague upon Egypt. And it wasn't some icon or some staff that did it. It was the very power of the Holy God. But notice what it says. They also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further. We never heard about those guys again, did we? We didn't hear about them after that. They shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Can you imagine going home that night, those two magicians, and they went back to all their magician buddies and sorcerer buddies and their satanic covens and all those things, the Baal that they worshipped, and they're all laughing at them. Your God got eaten by their God. They were a laughing stock. Their folly was made manifest. Here's what happens. Here's the implications of the truth. Number one, the world takes a relative approach to truth. A relative approach. I said earlier today, we hear so many say, speak your truth. How many of you heard, speaking truth to power. This is the only powerful truth I know. It is mighty, it is powerful, it is quicker than a two-edged sword. It's the only truth I know. How many of you heard, well, tell your version of the truth. No, no, truth is truth. Titus chapter 1 verse 14 says this, Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. We have a lost and dying world today. It's such a mess. I never would have thought David Jeremiah wrote a book, I Never Thought I'd See the Day. He writes 10 chapters about 10 different things he never thought he'd see when he started his ministry. And and I can relate a little bit. I'm not as old as David Jeremiah or or many people in this room. But I, I can remember as a kid traveling to the United States on vacation and couldn't believe that a store was open on a Sunday. Couldn't believe it. And here... We used to roll up the sidewalks 5 o'clock on a Saturday night. But that didn't last. 
I never, I never thought we'd see legalized marijuana. But now you're wrong if you say anything against it. I remember when people were angry about Henry Morgenthaler. You know who that was? He was the guy that set up the abortion clinic in Toronto, the first one back in the 80s. I remember that being a big deal when I was a kid. Now the voices are so loud that we are immoral because we don't let women have their rights. Do you notice they never talk about babies anymore? They talk about their rights. Truth has died in the streets. May God allow us to be a pillar and ground of truth, not us only, but every Bible-preaching church that holds to the Word of God. The world has taken a relative approach to truth. Paul also told Timothy, neither give heed to fables or science falsely so-called. But not only do we see a relative approach to truth, we see a rejection of absolute truth. Turn, if you will, to Romans 1. I'm nearly done, I promise you. Turn to Romans chapter 1. The quicker you move, the quicker we're done. Romans chapter 1, you know this passage, verse 18. And notice, sorry, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. There it is again. How? You know what that means? It means they know right. They know what the Bible says. They know what those Bible thumpers say. They know what the church believes. But they hold it in unrighteousness. They don't allow it to change their lives. They don't allow God to work. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it. They'll never be able to stand before God. Well, I didn't know. I, I didn't know there was a God. No, no. He's manifest. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him... From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. It's almost like they worship nature. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own flesh, their hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Listen, God was not proactive in that. It doesn't mean that he turned them over. It just means he let them do what they wanted. He gave them up. He allowed them to follow their lusts. So many people say, well, God made us this way. No, 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 no. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections and even to their women to change the natural use of, uh, into that which is against nature. And likewise, all the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. By the way, we look around us today and say, well, God is going to judge. No, 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 listen, what we're seeing today, that is the judgment of God. It says so right here. God took his hand off people. God said, all right. You want to follow your lusts. And what we see in our world today is the very judgment of God. 
Read on, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them more to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. We see a rejection of absolute truth. The world today would promote evolution over creation. They'll promote science, falsely so-called. But we see, thirdly, a reprobate. It starts out with being a relative approach to truth. Well, you know, that's what the Bible means to you. I'm just going to keep learning and learning and learning without coming to the knowledge of the truth. And, and then it comes to a rejection of absolute truth. Well, I, I, you know what? I've been, I've been reading and I've been saying, but I don't believe that all those miracles are true. And I don't believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And friends, you're not saved. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel that he preached unto us is that Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross for our sins according to the scripture and he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is the gospel message. And if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you cannot be saved. It is faith in a risen Savior and the finished work of Calvary that saves a soul. But we see thirdly, they become a reprobate concerning the truth. Romans 1.28 says they did not like to retain. They get to the point, they don't even tell me about God anymore. God? They scoff, they mock, they turn up their lip, say, I want nothing to do with him. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible talks about Janus and Jambres. He says they also resist the truth. They're men of corrupt minds, and there's that word again, they are reprobate. Concerning the faith. But if I can summarize verse 9, they'll have their day. They won't proceed any further. Their folly shall be made manifest to all men as theirs also was. Can I give a subtitle to verse 9? Truth always wins. Line yourself up with God's word. Here's the thing. You're either lining yourself up with God's word or you're lining yourself up with a lie. There's no gray area. It's either right or it's wrong. It's either truth or it's a lie. He said, well, do we really need to come to Jesus to be saved? He is the way, the truth, the life. Everything else is the wrong way. Everything else is a lie and everything else is death. He is the truth. John 8, 44 Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Who are you following today? Somebody might say, well, why, why should I follow Jesus? There's a lot of reasons. Because he's called the comforter. Isn't that wonderful? Because he's called the way. But it's because he's called the truth. Because he's called the life. What if I don't want to follow him? Well, then you can follow this other one that's called a murderer and a liar. He's the great deceiver. He's that old serpent. Revelation calls him a dragon. In Genesis, he's a viper, a snake. Who will you follow? I want truth. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word.
Help us with it, we pray. Oh God, we pray that we would cling to the truth of God's word. There's a day today that even churches water it down. I'm not, I'm not present in all the local churches today in Simcoe or in Canada. But I know there are some denominations that have really taken the word of God out of their services. That it is just principles for good living. Christ was nothing more than a man or a prophet. Oh God, help us to understand that your word is truth and that Jesus Christ is the truth. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior, and I pray that their eyes would be opened to know that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. Speak to us, we pray. Lord, I pray specifically for Bethel Baptist Church. I don't know how many years before I'm gone from this place, I pray the next generation would hold up the truth of God's word. There will always be a people that would gather here in the name of Jesus to be the pillar and the ground of church, pillar and ground of truth, for we are the church of the living God. And I pray, Lord, that there be churches all across the world like it. We don't have an exclusive hold on the truth, but Lord, it's available to all men who will see the light. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. This piano plays, if God has spoke to your heart, would you come? Would you pray that we would be committed to the truth, to the Lord Jesus Christ? And maybe there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus. If you were to die today, you, you can't say for a, tr- a certainty that you'd be on your way to heaven. We want to help you with that. Here's the truth. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but through Jesus. John 14, verse 6. We can help you today. We'll show you what the Bible says about having eternal life through Jesus if you'd let us. There's one that said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. I I just don't know. Maybe you're, you're there today and you're saying, well, can we be sure? Is that something we can know? John wrote, these things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can be secure in Christ Jesus today and no man will pluck you out of his hand if you'll just come to him by faith and his grace will save you. So one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I won't embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. Would you slip up your hand? Is there one? There's some here today that would say, Pastor, we want truth. We want a church that always preaches the truth. And I'll, I'll be honest, there's, we're flesh, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misspeak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make mistakes. I look back at sermons I preached years ago and go, what was I thinking? But as long as we're holding up the word of God and that Sunday school teacher, bus, or anybody says, well, here's what I used to think, but I read this in the Bible, and we're humble enough to say, no, I'm going to stick to the truth. I'm wrong. The Bible's right. That's what we want in our church. Would you pray for that? Would you pray that God preserve that in our church? It scares me how quickly churches can fall apart and change.